0: From Culture Watch In this threefer I will look at uh, three pieces On Trump, America, politics And even religion uh, With the elections coming up real soon And with the evangelical block Being the biggest voting block For Trump in the past uh, It's worth looking at How uh, things might progress here And I have to say that uh, Four years ago, I was a bit skeptical of Trump, but uh, I've obviously had a change of heart, so these three pieces will explain why the change that I and so many others have gone through in the last four years. So I'll begin with a piece on Trump for POTUS in 2020. Things certainly can change and even go full circle. Four years ago, I was losing friends, getting hated on, and being abused by many folks who claimed to be on the same side because I expressed caution about Trump. Now I'm losing friends, getting hated on, and being abused by many folks who claimed to be on the same side because I expressed cautious support for Trump And of course, many of my enemies have for a while now been running with the baloney that I am some sort of hypocrite or worse, given my previous concerns about Trump. Moreover, some who are on side, who are still angry with me, well, I can't please all my critics, uh, be they on side or not. But let me try to explain things, for the sake of some readers at least. Am I being inconsistent in my political views? Am I full of double standards? Am I just going with whatever political winds are blowing at the moment? Well, I don't think so, and here's why. Did I have some very real concerns about Trump four years ago? I sure did, and for a very good reason. I and so many other Christians and conservatives had to assess the man as he was at the time. And as he had been, and for millions of us, it seemed pretty clear back then that he was hardly a consistent, constitutional conservative. Indeed, for much of his life, he was not even a Republican. He he supported the Democrats. He hobnobbed with the Clintons. He supported various liberal causes. His life was hardly an endorsement of biblical values and he seemed to be a very poor choice, certainly before the nomination, when we had so many real deal conservatives and Christians, such as Ted Cruz, putting their hands up for the top job. So those of us who were committed Christians and conservatives had every reason back then to be very concerned about Trump being the one that we had to run with. Sure, we all knew that Clinton was a real disaster, but we had plenty of legitimate concerns about how Trump would fare. And for daring to very publicly and persistently express my concerns, both before and shortly after that election, uh, I went through a rather hellish time indeed. So many people were utterly incensed at me and made it clear I was a traitor or worse Sadly, I did lose a fair amount of friends back then. Many conservatives and Christians unfriended me on the social media, and I had to unfriend a few of them as well. It was a somewhat dark time, and I did not like it one bit. It is said that politics and religions are things that we're not supposed to talk about in polite society. Well, I can see why. But the bottom line is this. I was never a never-Trumper. I simply had plenty of very real concerns about running with the guy. So what has changed since then? Well, quite a bit. First of all, we now have uh, three years of which we can assess how he's performing as president. In many ways, he's done much better than I and many others had expected. We can, of course, look at the very impressive economic figures which are important to a nation. And almost all of this has been very good. Low unemployment rates, jobs growth, various trade deals and the like have all indeed made America greater again. But of course, conservative and Christian uh, folks like me look not just to economic indicators. We also are concerned about moral and cultural issues. Thus, to see some solid Supreme Court justices being appointed is one good indicator. And Trump has been quite good on various pro-life issues, which is another important matter. A pro-life president is vital, as I have written of late. And Trump's been getting better and better at this, including being the first U.S. president to speak at the annual March for Life in Washington, D.C., But sadly, he's been a bit of a mixed bag in some issues. Uh, For example, homosexuality. He has done and said some good things in this regard, but he's also done and said some uh, less than helpful things. So it would be nice if we were more consistent here, certainly. But compared to somebody like Hillary, uh, he's been a great improvement. Other things could be mentioned. But the truth is, he has done much better in many ways than a lot of us thought possible. And that's good news indeed. Much of this would be because of the fact that he has rounded himself with many good conservatives and good Christians. That's certainly gotta help. Whether or not he is now a true born-again Christian is still unclear. We can pray that he does indeed become one if he has not yet made that decision. But even if he is not a committed Christian, he has done much good for the nation and for the world. And I'm glad he's there. And this, as I say, has caused things to go full circle. Whereas before I had many people tearing into me for not supporting Trump, now I got heaps of folks tearing into me for supporting him. You just can't win. No matter what you do, you always get some folks who are all bent out of shape with what you say and do. As but one example, just today on the social media, I had a run-in with one guy who made it clear I was now part of the Antichrist's cheer squad because I dared to support Trump. In part, he said this, Trump has the spirit of Antichrist. No Christian could support a man like this who speaks such wickedness. I said in response, to favor Trump over the diabolical Democrat rivals is not to say Trump is right in everything he says or does. It is to say the real spirit of Antichrist is with the pro death Democrats. And I happen to be a true Christian, and I support him over the alternatives. So if you think I and millions of other true Christians are the anti-Christ because of our views, you may want to take it elsewhere, thanks. He then claimed that I did not read what he said, to which I replied, Mate, I did read your words. You said no true Christian could support such a man. Well, I am a true Christian and I support him over the others. So I'll say it one last time. If you believe I am not a Christian, then take it elsewhere. He kept on arguing, so I finally had to let him go. Uh, And more of this is happening of late. So there'll be more skirmishes with some of these folks. But given that the post where this particular heated exchange took place featured a new article that I was drawing people's attention to, let me speak to that just a bit more. Shane Idelman had said this in his piece. Some say, how can you follow Jesus and Donald Trump? We are not following a man, we are following a movement and helping to shape it. A better question to ask is this, what direction is the country headed? If a leader lacks Christian character but is pointing the nation back to God, is that a bad thing? If they are minimizing murdering babies and maximizing godly values, is that a bad thing? If they are being a terror to terrorists and making America secure, is that a bad thing? If they are honoring hard work and minimizing free handouts, is that a bad thing? God doesn't judge a nation based on the character of one man. He judges it based on the spiritual health of her people. Never forget that. Again, we are not voting for people based on how godly they are. We are voting for the future direction of America, the right to life, the elevation of God's word back to its proper place, the appointment of conservative judges, securing America on our borders, creating jobs, and improving the quality of life for all Americans. As a personal observation, I've noticed that those who oppose Trump basically embrace liberal theology, it makes one wonder what is truly leading them, worldly mandates or biblical principles. I will close with what I said in a brief op-ed. We can't have our cake and eat it too. There is no middle ground for Christians today. You can choose a president who will wear a Planned Parenthood scarf at her inauguration or one of the countless others who would seek to destroy the America we know and lead us down the primrode path of socialism or worse. Or you can choose to back President Trump. There is no plan B. Or as Robert Gagnon recently put it in a social media post, I don't know a single evangelical Trump supporter who is voting for Trump because of his ethical failings, Evangelicals are voting for Trump rather because of policies that are far superior to Democrat policies as regards the sea change on the issue of LGBT coercion, abortion, judicial philosophy and appointments, free speech, free exercise of religion. In that, they are right. Since their vote for Trump is for his genuinely good policies, relatively speaking, in spite of and not because of any personal moral failings on his part, there can be no legitimate entertainment of claims that evangelicals are violating Christian principles and destroying Christian testimony. Indeed, that charge is more easily made, I think, of those who are doing little to stop the far greater moral harm arising out of a Democrat in the White House. In some things can change. Trumps has changed in some significant ways over recent years, and I hope he changes further in others. My conservative and Christian principles have not changed, but how they apply to new and different political realities can and do change. Given that Trump will of course be the only Republican choice, and given the current diabolical crop of Democrat contenders, we now have no other choice. And an imperfect and still developing Trump is our only real option in this coming election. In the fallen world, we are always faced with a number of less than ideal choices, but clearly some choices are better than others. Evangelicals and Trump. Those who have followed me over the years know that I wrote quite a lot about Trump back in 2016. Back then, I and others had plenty of concerns about the guy. But during the past four years, he has proven to be far better than many of us thought. But the debate still rages amongst Christians, especially Evangelicals, concerning Trump and how we might vote this time around. There are However, many Christians like me, who have shifted from hesitancy to support for Trump, warts and all. Sure, we knew full well back in 2016 that a Clinton win would have been bad news, but we've seen just how far further to the left the Democrats have now moved over the last four years. Uh, Never have the Dems been this far to the left in their history, and a Biden-Harris win really would be disastrous for the U.S. But still, some evangelical leaders are trying to tell us not to vote for Trump, or at best, not to vote for either. Uh, American Pastor John Piper is one famous example of this. He recently wrote a piece saying... That, uh, well, we really shouldn't go for Trump at all, but Biden is no better. Sins like pride and such are just as deadly as abortion and so on. So uh, somewhat confusing and concerning peace, many of us thought. For example, uh, the sin of abortion, well, it leads to actual physical death. Sure, pride is a sin, but it doesn't lead to the death of the innocent. And I'm sure that people like Piper are aware that not all sins are equal, and I've written about that before as well. So how can we respond to someone like Trump? Well, I've long, uh, sorry, to Piper. I've long, of course, liked Piper, and I've often quoted from him. In fact, I've got about 35 of his books He's been a key popularizer of the theology of Jonathan Edwards, one of America's greatest theologians and philosophers. So I always appreciate what he has to say, but here, well, I've got to beg to differ. The stakes are getting a bit too high, and to effectively waste a vote like this is really not being helpful. Uh, The truth is there are no perfect parties and no perfect candidates. So in a fallen world, we make do with what's available. Uh, I've uh, often had a lengthy discussion on this with others. Let me draw upon some wisdom from others. James White said this, John Piper's article demonstrates that even godly men can fall into the same pit of error. This isn't either about Trump or Biden, both of whom are horribly flawed candidates. This is about a Marxist revolution and whether we will even get to vote in 2024. The reality I wish he understood is seen not in Trump's arrogance or Biden's cowardice, but in Trump's history in that Marxism brings death and tyranny. One side is literally promoting the utter abolishment of the image of God, I do not understand how this can be missed. I would get but disagree with Piper saying he cannot vote for Trump due to morality or Biden due to world view and cowardice, but if this is a statement that he believes you could positively promote the world view professed by Kamala Harris, well, that's astonishing if deeply disappointing, if true. Whereas Jenna Ellis tweeted, unfortunately, John Piper conflates the responsibility and privilege of voting with the need for the t- church to take a more active role in culture. We must vote to protect our God given right to be the church. This article is designed to suppress Christian vote. Don't let it. And several full-length articles can be cited here. A A few quotes from an article by Gary DeMar can be run with. He says there are stark differences between the two political parties on most issues. When weighed on the scales of God's law, it's clear that the Democrats deserve all the criticism they are getting and then some. The Republicans need to be taken to task as well, but in terms of this election, the Democrats need to go down in flames. Seeing evil and doing little or nothing to stop it because it might undermine an authentic Christian witness is bewildering to me. The numerous policies being promoted by the Democrat Party will hurt Christians as well as our unbelieving neighbors. Abortion and forcing parents to allow their eight-year-old kids to change their sex are just two examples. If you love your neighbor, the choice on November 3 is clear. Piper offers no practical or tactical advice on how to confront the present social, cultural, and political evil. I'll end this with this. I'm sure the Jews being sent to the gas ovens were more concerned about their own physical death at the command of a tyrant than someone who might be arrogant but worked to stop the trains on the way to their doom. There is a difference, and anyone unable to note the difference is confused. I also like what Michael Brown had to say on this. He begins by offering seven areas in which he agrees with what Piper said, but he then goes on to discuss his differences. Here is part of what he wrote. To begin with, the political system itself is earthly and flawed, with all candidates being far from perfect. While it would be ideal for our presidents to be shining examples of morality and character, very few on our history would live up to that ideal. This is not to make excuses, but rather to be realistic. Next, it is one thing to elect a boastful, divisive leader. It is another thing to empower a party that will sanction the killing of the unborn or strip away religious freedoms or give free reign to to foreign tyrannical regimes. When it comes to Trump, we can vote for his policies while saying, I don't like many of the things he does and feel his example is often very destructive. I will therefore speak out when he acts wrongly and will model something different in my own life. But a vote for Biden and the Democrats is a vote to empower a party that wants to impose an overtly godless agenda. Brown concludes, Finally, when it comes to listing the sins of Trump, Pastor Piper may have gone a little too far. Has Trump promoted or practiced sexual immorality since announcing his candidacy? To the contrary, hasn't he expressed regret about some of his past actions? And does he get credit for keeping his promises and commitments in ways that few presidents in our lifetime have done? Once again, I wholeheartedly agree with Piper's emphasis on the gospel first rather than America first. But I wonder if future generations would understand if we explained the loss of our freedoms and the slaughter of millions of more babies by saying, yes, one party espoused those terrible policies but we couldn't vote for the man whose party opposed them because he was too boastful and divisive. At times like this, my counsel is simple. Be idealistic in terms of living out your own faith as a witness for the Lord, but be pragmatic when it comes to casting your vote. And of course, Brown has penned a whole book on this, of which I did a recent book review other more generic pieces by evangelicals who critique the Christian for Biden camp can also be found. Let me offer just one last such piece by Peter Jones in just one paragraph from it. This election is an attempt at a cultural revolution. If Biden wins, we will be forced to live in a society made up of endless irreconcilable identity groups whose rule depends upon pure power. The power grab will define Americans' political past as evil, impose a cancel culture package that will undo the created structures of family and sexuality, protection of the unborn, Christian religion, every fair play based on the Constitution and free speech. It should be clear that the accusation of systemic racism now coursing through the veins of many of our institutions and corporations is actually a call for the overthrow of the so-called corrupt American system and the way of life that made America the most civilized nation in human history. Suffice it to say that I have penned hundreds of articles over the years dealing with related themes be it the case for Christian political and social involvement, the importance and the limits of politics, the need to not fully equate the gospel message with any one political party or program, and so on. At the very least, all Christians, certainly in America, must vote very carefully and very prayerfully in the next week or so. This is a very important election indeed, and how we vote will have far greater ramifications than many might begin to realize. Christianity, Trump, and the White House. America will soon determine who will be its next president. Debate still rages amongst the voters at large and also amongst the Christian community. In times past, the stark decision facing the electorate would have meant that most Christians were pretty clear on who they would run with uh, and they would resist the continual leftist takeover of things. But as that takeover is now infiltrating the churches, we're in a different place. Sure, mainstream denominations long ago have succumbed to theological and political liberalism, but now the woke movement is penetrating even the evangelical world. The left has always hated Trump, and Trump derangement syndrome is certainly real. But now we have plenty of evangelicals who are strongly pushing for a Biden win. Not that they can actually name anything good about Biden or offer any constructive policies. It's all about hating Trump. And the other day I talked about one such uh, evangelical who didn't want to see Trump voted for, John Piper. That discussion still continues with plenty of other evangelicals responding to Piper. So I want to give a bit more talk on these folks, what they've had to say. One such person who responded to Piper is Wayne Grudem. His is a very lengthy and ironic piece, but it's worth quoting from. He begins, John Piper has been a good friend for more than 40 years. I thank God for his great ministry, his evident love of God, his faithfulness to the word of the scripture, and the way his life is one of self-sacrifice. When we have opportunities to be together, I enjoy every minute of my conversation with him. I pray that he uh, does the same with me, and I probably agree with 98% of what he has written. But I have different conclusions about the presidential election. Grudem continues, "...a candidate's character and policies are both important to consider before voting, and I would agree that there are some character flaws so serious that it may disqualify a candidate." But in most elections, with most candidates, we have to choose between two rather ordinary humans, both of whom have flaws. Therefore, we have to look at their policies to determine how we vote. After his four years in office, I would add that he has shown remarkable courage of his convictions, faithfulness to his campaign promises, steadfastness of purpose in spite of an astoundingly hostile press, incredible energy in the performance of his job, dignity, and even eloquence in many formal speeches and ceremonies. Imagine what would happen if all evangelical Christians, however, followed Piper's example and decided to write in someone else instead of Trump or Biden. The result would be an overwhelming landslide for Biden because the largest single block of Trump supporters is evangelical Christians. 80% of white evangelicals voted for Trump in 2016 and only 16% for Clinton. So if Trump loses the evangelical block, Biden wins. In fact, if a significant number of Christians decide not to vote for either one, The result will not be some ideal third-party president. It will be a Biden presidency, which in my view will cause great harm to the nation. Therefore, the decision not to vote for either candidate is not a neutral position for evangelicals. When evangelicals decide not to vote for either, this takes voters primarily from Trump's base and helps Biden win the election. He goes on into some detail on the differences between the two and then says this in conclusion. These are two vastly different kinds of nations. The first one features increasing freedom, personal responsibility, and human flourishing. The second one features ever-increasing government control over every aspect of our lives, significant losses of freedom, and the implementation of many laws and regulations that are contrary to the moral teachings of Scripture. That is why voting for Trump seems to me to be the most loving and the most faithful choice for a Christian. Another key evangelical leader who did not actually vote for Trump last time uh, explains why he now will be. Al Mohler said this, I am a Christian, Baptist by conviction, I'm a theologian, I deal with public policy. I cling to the gospel of Jesus Christ and the saving truths of a redeeming grace. And I'm also thankful for common grace, including the goods of marriage and family, the community and culture. I believe that in a fallen world, all politics is some mixture of good and evil. All political gains are partial, and the perfect is, often tragically, the enemy of the good. As a Christian, I believe that love is to be the animating motivation for political action, but I understand love is revealed in Scripture to be manifested in concrete actions that are measured in moral effect. In other words, love is not merely a mood or an emotion— Love leads to policies that have good moral effects, not necessarily to actions that earn the applause of the world. Thus, I'm reminded as a classical conservative in the Western tradition of the words of people like Edmund Burke, who affirm the very real but limited responsibilities of government, the importance of the rule of law, the classical defense of liberty, the vital importance of free associations and the necessary alignment of human government with human nature. Mueller considers the life issues to be crucial here, as they should be, he says. Just consider the fact that a Biden-Harris administration would be the most pro-abortion political force in American history. The Democrat Party is now so pro-abortion that it wants no restrictions on abortion at all. Led by Democrat governors, such as New York and Illinois, they have adopted new abortion legislation which effectively allows abortion right up to the moment of birth. It would allow for unrestricted abortion in the case of Down syndrome for sex selection and other reasons. The Democrat Party is linked hand-in-hand with Planned Parenthood, not only the largest abortion provider in the world, but the engine for the culture of death, unmasked for having targeted unborn babies and for strategic removal of specific organs and tissues. This tears at my heart like no other. I agree, there's many other issues that press on the Christian conscience racial injustice and the like. Christians must be concerned about immigration, refugees, and so on. But human dignity and the sanctity of life are even more basic truths, and I believe there is no hope for defending human dignity for all if it is died, denied in the womb. To be intellectually responsible is to recognize the array of issues confronting us but the same intellectual responsibility demands that we know which questions are prior to others and which truths form the substructure upon human dignity and human rights depend. He says this in conclusion, I am thankful for my Southern Baptist convictions and my friends over the years and their stance on various issues but Christian fellowship is based on shared conviction and common faith in Christ. My denomination is meant a shared passion for sharing the gospel, Christian ministry, convictions about marriage, human life, and so on. I know no church or denomination has all the right answers and makes all the right votes. On this side of the election, brothers and sisters will share different convictions about the way to go. Politics cannot become primary because then the church becomes secondary. So it's never far off from the horizon. If it does dominate the horizon, Christian fellowship can be undermined if it's given too much priority. A true belief that this presidential election Uh, with the control of the Senate is at stake and it is going to be transformational. The stakes would not be higher. The difference between a Trump and a Biden admin will shape a generation and have a great deal to say to our future. My convictions lead me to a very clear conclusion on this election. I hope and vote for the election of Donald Trump and the Republican ticket for a second term. I do precisely because of my convictions. I'm accountable to make those convictions and reasons clear. May God bless the U.S. and may this nation bless the nations of the world. There are many more voices that could be featured here, both pro and con, but I have to agree with these two men. This may well be the most important American presidential election yet, and the stakes are enormous. As I keep saying, Christians must be very prayerful and careful as to how they vote. The fate of America and the West may well depend upon it. Bill Muhlenberg's Culture Watch podcast is a production of The Good Source, presented by Bill Muhlenberg. Thousands of Bill's articles can be read on his website, billmuhlenberg.com. To watch, listen to or read more media without the SJW PC fact filter, visit goodsource.news. That's good, S-A-U-C-E dot news. Become a GoodSource supporter for exclusive access to live and unedited interview recordings, including the conversations before and after the show.